everyone. I'm Trisha Gelman, and I'm the CMO of Drift, and you're listening to CMO Conversation. Today, I have back on the show JJ, and we previously did an episode around category creation. If you haven't heard that one, I recommend you go back and listen to that one before we jump in today. But if you're here now, I mean, you're here now. So let's just get going. Today, we're going to talk about the role of the CMO. And so just for the people who maybe didn't hear the last episode, JJ, you want to introduce yourself again. You recently joined a new company as a CMO. Just maybe give a little bit of the overview of what you're doing in your new role. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. I'm JJ. My name is actually Jennifer Johnson, but everyone knows me as JJ, so just call me JJ. I am a four-time CMO in enterprise software. I just recently, in the last six months, joined Amplitude as the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer. So um, I'm really excited. Uh, category design, please, yes, go listen to that episode. It was fascinating, and I had a great time doing it. I know we're talking about another topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts today. But uh, I am a uh, yeah, category anything category design. I'm that's that's my jam. <laughs> that's awesome. And that was a fun episode. So thanks for coming back to talk about this other point, which is really why I started this podcast in the first place, because the role of the CMO, it's challenging, it's changing. And the role of marketing, I think is changing. I think it was on a pretty aggressive uh, timeline for change. But I think COVID and work from home and the emphasis on digital has changed it even more. It's kind of rapid. You know, McKinsey and others are saying that digital transformation has happened like 10 times faster than it was before. So I think it's impacting. But what would you say? Would you say, icebreaker question, CMO as a role is in a state of crisis, true or false? True. (laughs) (laughs) True. I'm sorry. Is this a one-word question or do you want me to elaborate here? I can tell you No, if you can elaborate. That. I think right. like, that's the whole point. Today we're going to talk about this topic. You know, I mean, I hate to be dramatic, but it is a bit true. And I'd say the following. We have every C-suite role is difficult for a different reason, right? And the reason that the CMO role is difficult is because... Everyone has, A, everyone has an opinion about marketing. We've all, anyone who sat in this seat knows what that means. And two, it's also trying to be many things to many people. So, you know, I had a situation in my past uh, CMO, one of my past CMO roles where in a two-hour span, I had my CEO call me and say, hey, we have a board meeting coming up. The board wants you to do, you know, a market landscape overview an assessment and think about like where we want to, you know, grow and if we want to pivot into different markets where we want to go. So that was like the 10 o'clock a.m., right? At noon. Oh, yeah. And of course, you need it by 8 a.m. Right. Of course. Right. And at noon, my CFO calls me and says, hey, for the, (laughs) the next board meeting, I really want you to do like a deep dive on demand gen and pipeline and marketing analytics and like Okay, both of those things you have to do, right? And so I'm not saying that one is more important than the other, but like those are completely different skill sets, right? And I think that that's kind of the challenge is that we're trying to be, we have multiple different, very different functions that roll up to marketing and trying to be equal parts strategic and operational and category creator and technical and, you know, understanding the market landscape and demand gen expert and revenue minded. It's just like, it's, it's almost 
I don't want to say it's impossible, but like to do all those things well, I really like show me one person that does all those things equally well. I, I don't think they exist. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about it a little bit. I mean, I think this is like one of the big things about the CMO is leadership as well, because you have to bring together all of the different experts and people on your team who can help you to do all these things. Because I, I don't think it's wrong to say that it's too much for one person to do. You can be strong in a couple of the things that you have to do. And I think that's the requirement is that you can be really, really superstar in a couple, but you're not going to be a superstar in every single one. And if you're just mediocre and you're peanut buttering across everything, you're probably not going to be the best CMO either. So really you have to rely on your team and you have to rely and hire great people and then know how to lead together, which I think is really different than other roles. Like sales has a very hard job and the way they're compensated is very challenging, but everyone in the organization is a salesperson, like in the end of the day. And so it's definitely, it's a different thing. Yep. hundred percent. And it's binary, right? Like, you know, if you're succeeding at sales, it's very clear. You're either making your number or you're not. Marketing is like, is, is just, yeah, it's, it's subjective. It's many different things. It's, you know, there's many different ways to measure it. I agree. You need to, you need to know what you're great at and you need to know what your blind spots are. And then you need to hire for your blind spots. And that to me is always, the, they've been the key to my success is I have to hire for my blind, my blind spot. And that doesn't mean you you're not competent at it. It just means that's not your like natural go-to place. And I think being at a point in your CMO career where you're comfortable enough to say that and communicate that and tell your CEO that, like you don't need to be perfect. You can't be perfect, right? And I think like a lot of it is, is building the right team, of course, but a lot of it is also managing expectations and educating the rest of the company and the leadership team and the CEO on a lot of times on, on what your role is and what it's not and what you as a CMO bring to the table and where you might need to hire for. So, and I think a lot of people maybe even earlier in their CMO careers don't, you know, maybe aren't as confident or comfortable having those, those tougher conversations. And that might be part of the reason why the CMO tenure is probably the, I think it's the, the, it's one of the lowest, if not the lowest in the executive team. I think both CMO and CRO are, it's funny because everyone talks about the short tenure of CMO, but I've seen companies that the CMOs outlast the CROs, but you know, like our CRO always tells everybody if you're a CRO, you should expect that within six months, you could not have a job because essentially, if you don't make your number, like you just said, it's very visible. It's very measurable. There's not a lot of like wiggle room and gray area. And so if you're consistently not making your number, a lot of times your head's on the line. Yep. And that's why the CRO and the sales job, that's why it's the hardest around the tables for that reason, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Everybody has their reason that their job is the hardest. <laughs> well, so... The CMO role, it, we talked about it, it's very strategic and it's doing all of these different things. But if it's so strategic and it's playing such an important role of bringing together sales, service, marketing, product, you know, who are we going after, defining the category, everything. Why do you think it's such a late hire? Oftentimes, you know, you have people building product, You all of these roles, including the CRO, are hired before the CMO. Yeah. So... <laughs> What is that saying? Like you make shit and you sell shit. Sorry. Oh, so can I say that? Sorry. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you can say oh. it. Yes, you can. <laughs> you make stuff and you sell stuff and everything else is BS. Like that That line. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who very much live by that mantra. You know, I will put a PSA out to any executive recruiter that recruits for marketing that is listening to this podcast. Please do not call someone and tell them marketing is the last piece of the puzzle. I, over my career, have I couldn't even count the number of times that I've heard someone say that. Like, it's a great thing. Like, oh, they're bringing marketing in as the last piece of the puzzle. That, what I hear <laughs> on the other end is 
they didn't value marketing. They left it for the last thing to do because there were other more important things to do to drive the business. And now all of a sudden marketing is coming in. They're probably coming in because there's a problem that they're fixing, most likely, either with the, the team or the company stalled out and they need a category because they need it's going to be the savior for everything. <laughs> I heard this line oh, many, many no times. No big expectations yeah. at all. <laughs> and so you're, you're coming into an organization where you're fixing something that's broken, number one. They're probably looking at you as the savior for some problem that's beyond marketing to fix, uh, number two. <laughs> and you have all these other teams that are more mature than you that have expectations on marketing. And I think there's sometimes like the the notion of, well, you're here. It's like flipping on a light switch. Well, now you're here. So bing, <laughs> everything should be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, we've had these problems. They actually aggregated over five years. But, you know, you're here. So let's like, yeah, it, they should be fixed in a yeah. week. Yeah. So, I mean, it is this again, this is the, part of the reason why the CMO role is the toughest role is because you're usually coming in and you're having to like spin plates and do many things and juggle at the same time. And, you know, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's definitely a tough role. So what would you say, you know, we talked about really needing to have a team. There's so many components to marketing, but what would you say is the one skill that marketing leaders really need to have to perform to expectations? Yeah. So I think the first is collaboration because there is, I can't think of one strategic initiative across the company that doesn't either touch marketing or is led by marketing. And so you need to be able to collaborate and bring different viewpoints and different teams together around a coordinated strategy and plan. So that's number one. Number two is connecting dots. So it's directly related to collaboration is both connecting dots because you are so central to many different teams. And, and a lot of times it's just getting people on the same page with the same information. But it's also like looking around corners too and being able to kind of see where things are heading, not where they are. It's like that whole notion of like skate where the puck's going to, not where it is. And that really is a lot that. of the job of marketing is, you know, where sales is thinking in 90 day increments, marketing might be looking, you know, two, three years out. And so really marketing needs to start their process like like well in advance of educating the market and getting all that groundwork laid. So you're just looking at things from a different perspective. And so I think it's not just, you know, reacting to the business, but it's also predicting where the business is going to go and driving the company to it you know, all of the, and, and communication, like that's part of our job as marketers, but internal communication, not company comms, but although that's important too, but like just internally communicating your strategy, what you're doing, what your priorities are. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's educating and setting expectations at the same time. That is critically important. And I think a lot of people, I always coach my teams on that. Cause I think a lot of people don't inherently think that like internal communication of what you're doing is just as important as externally actually executing it. So those are, I, I'm sure there's 20 more, but those are the top things that come to mind. <laughs> it's a good list. I think it's really important. And I think especially, you know, in our previous episode, we talked about category creation and, you know, that's about making sure that everybody's aligned and you can't make sure that everyone's aligned across the C-suite and the rest of the company if you're not communicating to people what it is that you're planning to do as well. So let's say that you are the superpower CMO like yourself, and you've recently been through this interviewing process as you've a new company. So maybe this is top of mind for you. But, you know, what is it that you think a CMO who's interviewing or somebody who wants to be a CMO or is a CMO interviewing for other roles, like what should they be looking for themselves? And what kinds of questions should they ask? Let's say hypothetically, they get an interview one-on-one -on -one with a CEO. Yeah. So this is a great question. Number one is I interview the CEO as much as I interview the company in general, because Every role, especially this role, you need to have the CEO's support and backing. And so my interview cycle is actually interviewing the CEO 
him or herself as, as part of the process. And I mean, you can learn a lot from understanding the history of kind of of marketing in the company and like what their viewpoint is on it. I mean, you know, if you're replacing somebody because they were they were let go or they're, you know, they're leaving, like you obviously you want to understand what happened there, right? Like if they weren't as successful, why? And, you know, how does that kind of how does that that translate to what is needed going forward. You can ask, you can just ask questions like what is his or her definition of marketing? What is the contribution and the value uh, that you're, that you're looking for? If they say leads and that's, and that's where they, they go, of course it's part of it. But like, if that's all they say, you know, that might, that might tell you what kind of, of, of CMO they're looking for. You know, the other, the other thing is just, you know, how they think, like, I like CEOs that are forward leaning, because a lot of what I do is driving the company forward. And so I need to know that they want to go there. Or are they just being told by their board, like, oh, we need to, you need to build a category or you need this. And they're just kind of like parroting back the buzzword, because I've heard that too. So you know, you can look at a lot of things you can ask, you know, even looking at operational things, what is the percentage of, of revenue that is allocated to marketing? What kind of headcount? Like, I mean, you can also just like glean, glean what the history has been by, I mean, knowing how marketing is, has been funded will tell you a lot about what they view as the value of that function. So, yeah. And I think I like this idea of sort of forward leaning because, I mean, we've already talked about your jam being category creation and you can't really create a category if you don't have anybody else on board. But I think another part of that is are they really willing to pivot and to make the change? Because it's also very hard to be tasked with driving that change. If everybody's shaking their heads and saying to the board and others like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. But the fact of the matter is that you have people in the rest of leadership who are micromers or unable or unwilling direction. Yeah. It's the most important thing to test for if you're, if you're going in to do category design and it's the hardest thing to test for because, I mean, you can ask, you can ask a CEO a thousand questions about their willingness to do it and they're going to shake their head and say, yeah. And so, you know, finding a way to test for that, whether there was another pivotal moment in the company where it had to change and how the CEO, like how the CEO led it, led the company through it and did they lead or did they let it kind of happen? Like those are the things you want to test for, but that is a really hard one to test for because you can only, really, you can only test so much. I mean, the other thing is like getting a broader view of that CEO and, and how they operate in times of change from others like the board. Like I would always talk to the key people from the board when you're interviewing and they're going to give you a great perspective, not just on the company, but they're going to give you a great perspective on the CEO because nine times out of 10, ten probably 10 times out of 10, they're investing in the CEO as much as they're investing in the company. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And I think it's also a positive thing. I mean, some people may be afraid to ask for interviews with board members, but I think it's a positive thing. If you as a CMO are asking the, you know, whoever's driving it to the board, I think it shows that you care about the business, you care about the metrics, you care about what's expected of you. And so like that process of success kind of starts from the interview process, right? It's like the first impression that people have. 100%. 100%. I don't think anyone should feel like shy to speak with the board. Board members are there to help the company grow and succeed. And they are always more than happy to speak with a candidate, especially for a role as pivotal as this one. Because again, usually when the CMO is coming in, it's like coming in to like solve some big problem <laughs> or unstick the company or scale it to the next level or, or combination of, of the above. So they have a vested interest in making sure that they get the right CMO on board. 
Yeah, 100% agree. Now, you touched on something, which is like, okay, so I'm asking the CEO, like, you know, how are you measuring marketing or what are you doing? And if the CEO says, I'm measuring marketing on leads, my perspective would be, you should go and run the other way. But, <laughs> um, but you know, maybe that's a bad thing to say. I'm sure there's some people out there, but I truly believe that if you want to have the conversation with the board, not just in the interview process, but an ongoing relationship, you need to sign up for revenue. And you know, it was okay five, six years ago to sign up for leads, but in the end of the day, no one cares about leads. You can fill the lead bucket as much as you want. It's easy, honestly, to fill the lead bucket, but not easy to fill with quality that goes to revenue. And so by talking about revenue as a CMO, I think you get yourself to a whole new level. You have a whole new level of partnership with the CRO and it gets a different level with CEO. But, you know, what have you done in your career relative sort of, you know, aligning toward revenue and, and this transition? Yeah. And so that is a great point. And I'd say you can buy, anyone can buy their way to, to a lead number, right? And so it's it really, I agree with you. It's, it's, about, it's about revenue and, and not leads. But specifically with revenue, I would say, you know, my background coming from more product marketing and category creation, there's a lot of CMOs who do come from more demand generation, marketing analytics, marketing operations backgrounds. My leaning towards category design is, is a direct, like, is a direct result of like how I was, how I grew up. Right. And so I didn't grow up in a heavy demand gen background. So I will say that it is the area that I don't naturally go to because it's not how I, I grew up. Now, the flip side is, you know, if someone that comes from a demand gen background might not be as strong on the product marketing and and category creation side. Right. So it kind of goes back to, you can't be all things to all people, but I will tell you, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are at strategy and category creation and strategic positioning and all that, if you don't have control over the revenue side and the pipeline side of things, you're not going to succeed because it doesn't matter how great you are at those other things. Like you still have to have command over those other components. And I think it's, for me, it's always putting real strength of like my second in command on, on demand gen or pipeline generation is usually like one of, if not my strongest executive because they, and leader, because they, that's what I lean on. But also like, I can't just like give it to them and go and say, okay, just come back in six months and let me know how it went. <laughs> like you still have to have command over it. Right. And so, I mean, that, you know, like a, a CRO, of course they want the strategic positioning and the category and things that are going to help sell deeper and higher and more strategically into the organization and category design helps with all that. But at the end of the day, like they need to know, how am I getting to my number? Like, how are we going to partner on this? Hopefully it's partner, not how are you getting me there, but like, how are we going to partner on this to, to actually like help them get to their number, right? That's what they lose sleep over at night, right? And so you got to meet them where they are. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think, I think actually, you know, in the evolution of a company, multiple CMOs, multiple CROs, like you always find like some baggage or like something that somebody's coming along with, even if it's from a previous company in this relationship of the CMO and the CRO. But I think as a CMO, if you come to the table talking about revenue, it's a good footing to start that relationship and to start that partnership. And if you have a CRO who maybe isn't used to thinking of this relationship as a partnership, and it's more like, what have you done for me lately? Or, oh, by the way, I've always filled my funnel myself, so I don't need you. Like, these are all different things I've heard from CROs. I think really anchoring that you have the numbers, that you understand how to get to revenue, that is a part of what you are doing in your DNA. It really can change and open the door, even if you have a, you know, a partner who is not your partner yet, but that you can sort of bring to the water. 
Yes, 100%. And that gives you the air cover so you can go then and do things like category design and category creation, which may not be in the, you know, typical vocabulary or nomenclature of a CRO. Like they get it, but like that might not be like what they, they don't wake up every day thinking about category design. They think, wake up every day thinking about revenue. So meet them where they're at and it gives you the, it gives you the the latitude to actually go and, and, and start to do these other things too. Yeah. Now I think, you know, we've talked about how the CMO role is, comes in late. We've talked about sort of this partnership. We talked about category creation. You, you uniquely, I think, have been a four-time CMO, but always in companies where it's the first time they're having a CMO. I think all, all the different times, at least, yeah, all four, right? Uh, no, three of the four. I was the first. Three of the four. Yeah. Okay, three of the four. So can you talk me through, like, what are the, some of the challenges you've been brought in to address? Or, you know, why do you think that you gravitate toward this type of an opportunity? Yeah. So, in the three opportunities that I've had where I was the first, one, I was the first marketer, not just the first CMO. And I had to like to say I had a blank sheet of paper to build. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and so I built everything, like every component of marketing, <laughs> every facet of organization, I built it. And so that was a that was a, a, a great opportunity and an interesting challenge on its own because it was a, a very high growth company that was already moving. And so you got to jump onto the moving train. The other two roles I was coming in as the first time CMO, but that doesn't mean they didn't have a marketing team. And in fact, in one of the cases, it was a very big marketing team um, that needed to be probably made a little bit more efficient in <laughs> the, the team and, and, and how and how they spent. And so usually you're probably coming in because nothing against the previous leaders, but usually there's a, a VP there. And, and for whatever reason, it, it might be that the company stalled out or they stalled out and like the company needs to scale to another level, or there's you know some efficiency that needs to come in. There's problems that need to be fixed. Usually that's more of the typical motion. So in any cases, you know, in the one case of like getting the blank sheet of paper, I built it from the ground up. Now there's greatness to that because you can build it exactly the way you want it. You know, the, the, the negative is there's nothing there. Like you literally are, like <laughs> it can be daunting. On the other side, it's if you're, you are rebuilding, you're building and rebuilding. So you have to bring, like, so you've yeah. got things there to work with, but you have to, you know, you have to, there's a lot of like, religion, as I call it, like people are connected to things, they're hooked on like, well, we've always done it this way kind of things, right? Uh, kind of comments. Yeah. And so you have to, to have the strength and the conviction to be able to, you know, in some ways, tear it down and rebuild it. And it's building, but it's a different kind of building. But in all of these cases, you're building. Right. And so I think everyone will say they're a builder. It's kind of like asking a CEO if they're willing to like go like put it out there with the change. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I think everyone will say, oh, I'm a builder. Not everyone's a builder. Not, not when you're really coming into a high growth situation where you are, you know, your organization might be less mature than the others around you. And there's, there's expectations and you have to help, you know, fix problems and do all these things. Like you really have to like love building and like rolling up your sleeves and, you know, getting the right people around you. You can't do it by yourself, but like getting the right people around you, knowing like how to assess quickly if there's things there that you might need to unwind or people that you need might need to might need to, you know, move and you know, make, you know, a change on, right? You have to be able to assess those things and act on them quickly. And like that is the biggest thing of of being able to move quickly, not not haphazardly, but quickly with purpose is really the key when you're in any kind of building role. And I will say people should definitely take a real look at 
and it will be better for everyone in the end. Really do some soul searching to know if you're a builder or not, because the last thing you want to do is go into a company at this level and maybe not be completely like uh, self-aware of what you're walking into or what the work that's required. Building is hard and and not everybody is, is, is designed for it and that's okay. But I think having self-awareness is really important because it's going to be better for you and the company in the end, right? I think this is another reason why CMO companies tend to mishire on CMOs is because they don't actually like know what they're looking for. Well, and I, and I do think that there's transition and challenge, right? Like we just talked about how the CMO role is multifaceted. And I think one of the things that happens is companies, you know, oh, we want to create a category. So we're going to like, you know, really need to position ourselves out of where we are right now, et cetera, et cetera. So then you hire a CMO based around that. And then two years later, all of a sudden you're in your category, but now the revenue projections aren't happening and there's not enough pipeline. And the person who was great at positioning and messaging and rallying everyone unifying them isn't great at working with sales or whatever it might be. And so I think, you know, that I think is the big role specifically is really, there's so many different stages that a company goes through. And I think the CMO role, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who are going on year two of CMO conversations now, which is exciting, but I've spoken to a lot of people and the majority of people I've had on the show are people who have been probably within the first nine months of their career in their company. And they were brought in to do something, you know, specific thing, like whatever it might be. And in, and that that ability to transform yourself or to work with the leadership to show that you can things, not just what they sort of position you in their mind. The beginning, I think, is also something that's key to the success of CMO role. Oh, I agree 100%. Like, or we need to get really comfortable as an industry that the average tenure of a CMO is going to be two years, 18 months to two years, because the nature of how companies evolve and change and the dynamic nature of markets. And, you know, if it took a market 15 years to be created 10, 20 years ago, it's now five, right? Like, it, I mean, everything right. is accelerated. And so the needs of what the company needs from a CMO is going to change even more dramatically. And so I think it's, yeah, to your exact point, it's, it's showing breadth of what you can do, but also maybe we just need to get more comfortable about like CMOs are coming in to, you know, like, like dropping in to solve a specific problem or do something specific. And then maybe, you know, the company needs change and it's okay that, you know, I think we, we worry as we're building our careers, like if you don't make it for a certain amount of time, that means you failed as a CMO. I don't believe that. I think it's just that people like learn what they're good at. And sometimes like the company doesn't need that anymore. And is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't think so. So I think we as an industry maybe need to rethink the role of the CMO, but also the tenure in the seat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective and um, something for our listeners to think about as well. Well, so I could talk to you for probably three hours. There's so many different things we could talk about and just go on and on. And I think great listening for all of our listeners and CMOs alike, um, people who are aspiring to be CMOs. Uh, but again, here we are, we're out of time. Uh, and so we're going to wrap up, but I always wrap up every show with a, with a question, same question. And um, you answered it around category creation before when we spoke the first time. But now if you look back on your entire career, like what is the one lesson that you think you have learned along your career that you wish you had maybe learned before and you want to share with, with the audience? Position yourself or be positioned. Like that's just the statement I live by. And I think we tend to focus on that at the company 
level, but we forget to do that for ourselves and our personal brand as CMOs. And it's everything we've talked about. Position your position your seat at the table, position why you're there, position why you should continue to be there, or someone's going to write your story for you. I love that. Yeah, I think that's great as a person and as a company, right? You can take that piece of feedback in, in both levels, especially as a sin shape that message and position in the market. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you for being with us again. It's been great having these conversations. I hope as listeners, you have enjoyed talking and listening with JJ. If you want to talk about category creation or you want to talk to her more about the future role of the CMO, feel free to reach out to her on LinkedIn. If you love listening to CMO conversations and the conversation we've been having with JJ, please go to whatever vehicle you have for getting your podcast and rank us up high with five, six stars. And we love that. Also reach out to me in LinkedIn if you have additional guests, additional topics you would love for us to cover. And if you're really passionate about the role of a CMO, you can check out my other content. I have a newsletter which goes out every other week. And in that I do uh, Q&As with CMOs as well as just share some of the things that I'm um, reading and just advice and topic that's, you know, by the week. And so I'm just happy to have you as listeners. And thank you so much for going along this journey with us. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this very, very important thing. Oh, 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 oh,